Good evening. Good to see each one of you here tonight. If you would, uh, go ahead and stand. Turn to page 440 with me tonight. Page 440, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4 together tonight. Page 440. Let's lift it up on the first verse. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night, a shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no fears affright, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. On that last verse, O rock divine, O refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. O Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. Amen. Amen. What a blessing. Amen. Sure glad to see you uh, tonight and our oasis uh, in the desert. And we did have a little bit of a storm yesterday, but you still look weary today. Amen. And so glad we have our rock and our Savior. And so thankful tonight. And so let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer tonight. And I ask God's blessing on our services. I'm going to ask Brother Don Katanic if you'd open us in a word of prayer tonight, brother. You may be seated uh, tonight. Well, praise the Lord, school started back uh, this week. And so Faith Baptist School, uh, we started Monday, and so we did finish up our last uh, half day today. And so full days uh, begin tomorrow and excited excited about that. Then don't forget about uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday, August the 20th, be our church-wide outreach. That'll be at 1030 in the morning over in the fellowship hall. And then if you have uh, teens in the uh, teen uh, group uh, this coming Sunday night after the church, be a teen activity. I believe it's going to be over at Brother Jack and Miss Lizzie's uh, house until 10 o'clock 
in the evening, and so uh, excited about that and for them. And then, of course, next Wednesday night, our assistant pastor, Brother Eric Watson, is going uh, to be preaching. And then also, we've got some other things, but don't forget about ladies. There's the ladies meeting August the 30th. That's on a Tuesday evening. That's at 7 o'clock, and it is soup and salad. And then lastly, wanted to mention this. Uh, if you are uh, interested, any of our men interested in going to the Baptist Men's Recharge, and this is available for just not only our men, but also our young men, our, uh, our teen boys. And so there's a sign-up sheet in the outer foyer uh, for that. And so that's September the 23rd and 24th. And the cost is $70 if you plan on staying in a bunk. If you'd like to stay uh, in a hotel, that's available, but it will cost you a little bit more money. But I'm mentioning all this because you do need to sign up by August the 28th, and that's on a Sunday and we'll finish up our signing up and get get registered and all that stuff. And so I wanted to mention those things uh, tonight. All right, if you have your prayer list tonight, let's go ahead and get those out uh, as well. And do want to mention uh, some things tonight, some updates and, and things like that. <clears throat> uh, do continue to pray for Brother Bob Nugent. And I uh, got a call from him yesterday, kind of updating and, and uh, of course, still dealing with prostate cancer but then also he has a heart doctor appointment in uh, September, on September the 22nd. And so would ask that you would pray for him. Good to see Brother Owen Wood here uh, tonight. And uh, do continue to pray for him with his foot and the healing there and the surgery that he had. Uh, and then also Miss Ginger Sexton, if you could pray uh, for her. And I know she's got an appointment tomorrow. And so I want to ask if you would pray uh, for that. And then also, uh, uh, Miss uh, Allison Kennedy, Brother Will, and Miss Kristen's uh, daughter, uh, she did get diagnosed with scoliosis uh, this week, and so a uh, pretty serious uh, situation there. She does have a specialist appointment coming up. Y'all don't have a date on that yet, and so just pray that, you know, um, I know it can be serious, but it can also be something uh, not so serious, and so we're certainly praying for the not so serious, and and uh, she'll grow out of those things and stuff like that. But just pray for that uh, situation. Also, uh, pray for uh, Brother CJ and Miss Rachel uh, Reeves. Uh, they did. Uh, they are now officially homeowners, and so praise the Lord for that. And I texted with him a minute ago, and he said, we are about to die or something like that, and trying to get uh, beds uh, situated. And I get, they're wanting to sleep there, and I don't, whatever. No, it's their new house and excited for them. And so pray for them. Sure, thankful for that. Then also, if you would, add on there Matthew Powell. We took him off uh, last week. This is Miss uh, Marie Christian's, uh, is it your son-in-law, right? And uh, we, we took him off for stomach infections, but we need to put him back on. He's still battling that. And they gave him some options. And I think he's going to end up having to have that gastric bypass surgery and stuff like that. So just pray uh, for him and wanted to add him on there. And get him back on our prayer list. So uh, if you have a uh, prayer request or an update or anything, we can certainly take those uh, tonight as we go to the Lord in prayer. So does anybody have a prayer request or anything tonight? All right, Cody. Okay. Okay. So this is... A young man that has uh, been Cody has been working with through the summer. We've been praying for him in men's prayer. His name is his name is Carrington, and so just praying that he'll uh, come and, and visit Faith Baptist Church. I believe he's getting ready to go into the military. Is that correct, or the 
okay, the reserves. And so just pray uh, for him and uh, needs to know the Lord. And so that's a real blessing uh, there. Certainly pray for our college students, some of them going back to Heartland Baptist Bible College uh, this week. I know we got uh, Taylor back uh, Monday, and so I know we've got uh, three, I think three of our students that are here tonight that are going to be heading back. And so excited about that and thankful they're following the Lord. Amen. It's a real blessing. Anybody else tonight? All right, Miss Sue. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's add on there Jerry Bernard uh, with a stomach ulcer. And let's certainly pray God will give grace there and the doctors the wisdom that they need. All right. Anybody else uh, tonight? All right. Let's go ahead and have our men uh, come tonight. And again, we certainly do have uh, quite a few on there and um, and uh, continue to pray uh, for folks. I, I think about Brother Chuck and Miss Barbara Bellis and uh, traveling, and uh, Brother Chuck getting his eyes worked on today, and do pray for his mom, Wanda uh, Jackson, as well as Miss Barb, is going to be having hand surgery next week, and so just a lot of things on our prayer list tonight, but I'm sure thankful we got access to the Heavenly Father, amen, and we can pray uh, for those uh, things. Brother Gary Waters, would you pray for us tonight, brother?
Amen. Amen. Again, I have uh, Brother uh, Tim uh, Quinlan do our missionary update tonight, but uh, something I need to deal with uh, tonight uh, concerning our, our missionaries, Brother Shane and Miss Tammy Mallard, uh, missionaries to Australia, and um, I actually have two letters uh, tonight. I'm not going to read both of them. Uh, I'm just going to read one of them, and then we're going to deal uh, with some things uh, tonight. So he writes, Dear Pastors, Churches, and Prayer Partners, as I looked back on our, in our files, our first official prayer letter was dated August 10th, 2019. Uh, my, how this uh, world has changed in those three years. It has also changed the Mallard family, and by that I mean stepping away from pastoring after 15 years, selling our house, having an auction to sell most of our things, and beginning the process of contacting and visiting churches to present our burden for Western Australia. We've been able to be in many great churches along the way and meet some wonderful people. As I said in our last prayer letter, when I surrendered to go to Australia three years ago, <clears throat> there was what was called a religious visa that allowed permanent residency. That path is no longer available. The one that they offer now is only good for two years, and it cannot be renewed. Also, the sponsoring church has to be a government-approved church. Now, you and I know this, that's not going to fly. And so, <laughs> um, this was confirmed to us by the migration attorney in Australia, as well as four uh, pastor missionaries that are also in Australia. And I'll promise you, I I'll guarantee I can name all four of them. It's the Meredith family, the Manassas family, the Shrope family, and the Carr family. The work visa option we have been working on is not proving to provide a path either. I contacted all the pastors and missionaries I know of on the western side of Australia about six months ago to see if they could provide any contacts for me in the HVAC field, and, and I haven't received any response. It seems that the doors are closing for us to get to Australia. I don't feel I misread the will of God three years ago. It, is, it, 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 is, it has been made clear that our time at Emmanuel Baptist Church was finishing and God burdened my family's heart for the Australian people. Even today, I don't feel that it's God that doesn't want us there, but rather the Australian culture and government is becoming more and more resistant to the gospel. So what now? With the leadership of the Lord and support of my pastor, we are going to refocus our efforts to plant a church in the states. We will be sent out under the authority of Berean Baptist Church still. Uh, there, there, have been, there have only been two places that the Lord has burdened my heart for, and that is south, the, the southeast part of Missouri and Australia. 
With the doors closed in Australia, the Lord has laid Poplar Bluff, Missouri on our hearts. During our deputation, we spent some time in this area visiting family. The Lord began to open my eyes to the need and burden my heart uh, for there to be an independent fundamental church, Baptist church in this town. Poplar Bluff is a town of a, about 18,000 that service probably more like 30,000. There is only one independent Baptist church on the north side of town. It would be our desire to look for a meeting place on the south and west side of town. We begin this transition at the end of August with hopes of having our first services in January of 2023, if not sooner. I want to thank those that have prayed for us and have supported our family financially. And I'd also like to ask you to continue to pray for us. And if the Lord leads supporting us financially as we seek to plant a church in southeast Missouri. If you have any questions on this matter, please reach out to me. And he did go on to say this. I considered, all of, I considered calling all, all of our supporting churches, but thought that this would be the best way uh, to let people uh, know. And, uh, and then, of course, I do have a, a, pa- a letter here from uh, Pastor Abel's and Berean Baptist Church, and he, they, he begins to explain some things. This, folks, I'm just, the reason I'm giving you all this tonight is because this is the world that we live in now. Uh, this is, uh, you and I both know that governments around the world used COVID to do a lot of things differently, to seize some power and things like that, and Australia is obviously no different. Um, this is not the only family that is not being able to go or even to get back to where God has called them. Uh, there are several other missionaries that that's maybe you know of, I know of, as well as other preachers and churches know of. I would venture to say there are missionaries right now in, in Ukraine and Uga- in uh, Russia that I know of personally that aren't going to be able to get back for quite some time. And so this is kind of the situation that the Mallards are in. And so they're going to be going to Poplar Bluff, Missouri and starting Liberty Baptist Church. And so what I want to do tonight is to just let uh, Faith Baptist Church know these things and to give you my heart on these things. And my heart is this, is that we would continue to financially support the Mallard family. And, uh, and instead of us supporting missionaries in Australia, we would just be supporting a church planner in southeast Missouri. And so here's my, my thing tonight, and I wrote these things down so I wouldn't mess them up. I wrote a lot of things down so I wouldn't mess a lot of things up tonight, and you'll see later on in the message. But number one, the Mallard family is a good godly family that is sound in doctrine. I know that without question. Uh, number two, their sending church, Berean Baptist Church, is also sound in doctrine, but they also fully support this family going to southeast Missouri. And the other thing is this, is that I'd like to see us support them and not have them waste their time and energy and finances, come back to Faith Baptist Church and represent. We, we, we know that. We know these things, and this is just how, you know, where the Lord closes a door or where, you know, however you want to put it, He always opens another one. And so um, I think it'd be a blessing tonight that we would just go ahead and keep supporting them. So if you're in favor of that, you're a member of Faith Baptist Church. If you're in favor of that, would you just lift up with your right hand and give out with a hearty Amen. And I don't think there'd be any opposed on that, and just a real blessing. And so, sure appreciate your heart and, and support in that. And so, you know what? Here's let's pray for the Mallard family tonight. I texted with them a little bit yesterday. I called Pastor Abel's Monday, and talked with him. And I I know this. It's it, it's what I would say is bittersweet, because I I would venture to say their heart is very hurting for not being able to get into the country of Australia. But at the same time. There's a new venture right around the corner going to southeast Missouri, 
And so let's just pray for them uh, tonight, the Mallards. Let's pray for uh, the church that's going to be started in Poplar Bluff. I also wanted to mention tonight some of our other uh, missionaries. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, uh, Miss Ruth Douglas, Michael and Ruth Douglas, our missionaries to Brazil. They have the deaf ministry. I got a text from Miss Ruth Douglas yesterday, and they are on their way back to Olathe uh, from uh, while they're on furlough because Ruth's mom is in the uh, critical care unit over here in Olathe and is not doing good. And so we're going to be making sure to get the missions apartment ready for them so they'll have a place uh, to stay that'll be at no cost to them. And so pray for them and uh, certainly that situation. And then also if you keep up with Brother Benjamin and Miss Alyssa Hall, our missionaries to Thailand, as well as Brother Jeff Gross that's over there, they're having a lot of serious flooding and stuff like that. And so we certainly need to pray for them tonight. So I'm going to ask Brother Alan Quinlan uh, if you'd stand and, and pray, and, and certainly the focus tonight is on the Mallard family, but pray for our other missionaries as well. So. You know, so many times we go through things we don't understand. Our missionaries go through things they don't understand. But I'm thankful for 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for thee. And that's our next song, page 234. Let's all stand together. His grace is sufficient. Page number 234. We'll sing both verses tonight. Let's sing it out together on that first verse. Many times I'm tried and tested As I travel day by day Oft I meet with pain and sorrow 
and there's trouble in the way, but I have the sweet assurance that my soul the Lord will lead, and in Him there is strength for every need. Oh, His grace is sufficient for me, and His love is abundant and Aren't you thankful for God's grace tonight? Amen. Please remain standing. Get your Bibles ready for the message tonight. Amen. Well, speaking of grace tonight, uh, we are saved by grace through faith. Amen. And so Ephesians in chapter number two tonight, the book of Ephesians and, and chapter uh, number two, and, and we're going to get started back in our, our study of Ephesians uh, tonight. And uh, I'm thankful for God's grace tonight, aren't you? And uh, I, I know this, that uh, we are saved by grace, and I'm going to need some grace tonight uh, to preach this message, because either we're going to get right with God, or I'm going to start a religious war before this thing's all over with, amen. And uh, so uh, Ephesians in, in chapter number two tonight, and, 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 and of course I mentioned that, and, and I believe many of us uh, recognize uh, where we're at. Uh, we did see the last, in the last message here, we looked at at, uh, uh, you know, the grace of God in our salvation in verse number five, for by gra- at the end there, that, that parentheses, by grace ye are saved. And, and the idea here is this, is that despite our past being dead in our trespasses and sins, uh, I love that, I love that uh, what it says there, oh, I believe it's in uh, uh, verse number three there, but God, or verse number four, but God who is rich in mercy... For His great love wherewith He loved us. Amen. And so you and I, uh, by this grace, can be saved through faith. And then we ended down there at verse number 10. And so because, thus becoming His workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. And what a blessing that is. But you and I tonight are going to pick up in verse number 11 there where it says wherefore. And really what we're going to see is this. 
is that, that the reason, one of the big reasons why Paul, the Apostle Paul has been bringing all of this up, well certainly not only so that we can rejoice in the grace of God in our salvation, but there's also, there's this reason that, that because of this grace of God that has been shed among us, there ought to be unity among us. Look at what he says in verse number 11. He says, Wherefore, remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made with hands. Now you understand, he's talking about Gentiles and Jews. And if you're any kind of a student of the Bible, you know this, that all throughout the New Testament, there is this clashing between Jews and Gentiles. And so he brings that up. And he's dealing with the Gentiles, and look at what he says in verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. It's not talking about coming down out of a spaceship in heaven, aliens. All right, there's no such thing as that. There's demonic activity. I said there's no such thing as that. There's demonic activity. All right, I'm just telling you, stop believing everything you read on the internet. But notice he says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now... In Christ Jesus, there's that phrase again, all throughout Ephesians, but now, in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh, notice this, by the blood of Christ. And, and for he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, well, between who? Jews and Gentiles. Having abolished in his uh, flesh the enmity, even the law of, of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. He came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we, Jews and Gentiles, both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Man, that's good. Abraham, old father Abraham, he had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. Amen. But notice he goes on and says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built, builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Man, a lot of stuff here. I told you, man, it's like drinking from a fire, ho a fire hose, isn't it? It just floods you with all of this great truth and doctrine and stuff. And we're, this is what we're going to look at tonight. This is what I titled the message. How, how to be one in Christ. Jew or Gentile. Black or white. Republican or Democrat. Religious or spiritually struggling. We're all saved the same way. 
works through Jesus Christ. We're all His workmanship. We've all been placed in Christ Jesus. And so therefore, here's the idea. We are to come together in Jesus Christ and then fall under the banner and authority of His Word so that, so that there should be no divisions among us. Lord, help us tonight. Help us with the preaching of Your Word. Help me tonight, Lord. I, I know that we are going to certainly deal with some very controversial things in our day and time that I believe are bleeding over into the lives of God's people and bringing division. And so, Lord, I certainly want to deal with that with the right spirit tonight. But I also pray, too, Lord, we're going to be confronted with the truth on a lot of things. And I pray that you'd give us the grace and the help that we need to humble ourselves and to receive it. God, to drop our pride, our foolish ways of thinking and help us to humble ourselves to you to your word and to your spirit tonight, would you speak to us? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. A few months ago, our six-year-old, our five-year-old, she'll be six next month, but our five-year-old had gotten some candy. If, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was around uh, the time of, of Easter. And, and, I, and I know I've shared this, and many of you know this, but I, I'm just telling you right now, I don't do Easter bunnies and eggs, laying eggs and... I don't celebrate the pagan gods of fertility, amen. I celebrate an empty tomb. But with that all being said, when it comes to Reese's peanut butter cup eggs, I'm just telling you, I will compromise and eat 10 or 12 of those things, amen. But anyways, here's what happened. Emily came to me and in the evening and she had asked me, she said, Dad, can I have some candy? And I said, no. I said, you... You need to eat some supper first, and I don't want you to ruin that. And then, this is what she did. She went into the back bedroom where her mother was, and who didn't hear the conversation, and she asked her mom, can I have a piece of candy? And mom said, well, sure, you can have, you can have one piece. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting there in the living room, and I look up, and Emily's unwrapping some candy and putting it in her mouth, and I'm said, what are you doing? And she said, eating candy. Mom said I could. And then Natalie comes out. We both figure out what went down. Listen, that's what's called divide and conquer. And by the way, Emily got in a lot of trouble because that stuff doesn't fly at our house, nor should it fly at your house. You need to be careful who's training who, amen. Either you're training your children or your children are training you. But did you know this? That there is a reason why those two words are put together, divide and and conquer and it's because where there is division there is weakness and where there is weakness conquering will eventually follow I, by the way I have seen it in homes and marriages where it begins to be divided and eventually destroyed I have seen kids manipulate and lie to their parents and destroy their home and their marriage through this tactic or destroy their relationship with their parents I've seen parents play mind games with their children and pit one child against another causing division and that too has serious consequences to the future relationships of siblings and, and parents. I've seen sports teams defeated because of divide and conquer. It never fails that you have some disgruntled teammate or one that gets in some kind of trouble or says something really dumb to media who explodes it. And the next thing you know, there's division setting into the locker room. And what was a championship contending team begins to fall apart and loses. Why? Because of disunity. I've seen 
this phrase divide and conquer, and no doubt it originated, it originated because of what it does to nations. It leads to weakness and eventual destruction. Though this tragedy has been used throughout history, this terminology, divide and conquer, it actually became famous under Julius Caesar. This is how he led Rome to defeat the Gallic Empire. The Gaul armies were just as many and just as strong as Rome at the time. However, Caesar began to use this strategy and began to spread rumors and cause dissension and division. And this made them weak. And the Roman army walked right in and defeated them. In fact, I would say to you tonight that this is definitely where we're headed as a nation. We are so, listen, we are so divided as a nation to the point that people can't disagree even over the pettiest of matters without getting angry and divided. It's nuts. I, I never forget, listen, I, never, I will never forget uh, September 11, 2001 and when the Twin Towers up in New York went down and, and the unity that began to flow through this country. I, I mean, I'm just telling you, I've never seen anything like it, but it lasted about two years. And I mean, listen, well, I long for those days again, and what's sad is, it's probably going to have to take something tremendously tragic and devastating to bring that again, but I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I'm just saying to you, we are so divided as a nation today, it's nuts. And I listen, I'm just sharing my heart with you tonight. I believe that that is exactly what the powers that be want. It, because here's why. Because it makes us as a people weak, and then all they got to do is send the FBI into raise your home, right? Take all your guns away. All right, I guess I, I thought I'd get a laugh or a chuckle or something, but I got nothing out of you tonight. But here's the point of the message. This divide and conquer can also happen to a church. And though much of Ephesians has dealt with our salvation as there, and therefore has been what, what I would say is very general, so to speak, applying to the lost and the saved, tonight we are reminded that the epistle to Ephesus or to the Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus. And what Paul is warning them of is the, struck, the destruction that can be a result of divisions. And this is exactly what the devil has been doing and wants to do to churches today. And Faith Baptist Church is no different, friend. We are not above the rule tonight when it comes to spiritual warfare and spiritual attacks. And I want you to think about this. Churches today, especially in America, they're not folding up because of the pressures from the outside and the, the outside crowds and the wickedness and the immorality and all of that. No, my friend, they're imploding from the inside out. Because of divisions, friend, and as our culture is permeated with division, it's beginning to make its way on the inside of the house of God, and it's doing the very same things. It's doing the very same things. The staff and their families can't get along. And families in the church can't get along. There's drama and lying and envy in the youth departments. There is bitterness and unforgiveness among adults. Grudges, gossip, slander, backbiting. And then someone gets on the internet and begins to get into some strange doctrine. 
And the next, I'm just telling you, the old devil's sitting back and laughing while the fuse is burning down and he's just waiting on it to run out and everything to go boom. And I believe this is what Paul was getting at, uh, was getting at as to what was about to happen to Ephesus, which is why Paul is dealing with this subject. And by the way, this won't be the first time. It's going to continue throughout chapter 3 and even into chapter number 4, as we'll see. But I'm just telling you that, that he's dealing with these things. Look at, look at what he begins to deal with. Look at verse number 11. He says, Wherefore remember... That ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. And, and so notice the Gentiles obviously in the, are the uncircumcised here. They're brought up with the circumcision, meaning the Jews. And really what he's going to begin to deal with goes all the way back to Ephesians chapter number 1. In this mystery that he spoke of, look at Ephesians chapter number 1 and verses 9 and 10. It says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, and even in him. So there's this mystery. This, what, what do you mean? Well, it's this mystery that the Jews and the Gentiles will be made one in Jesus Christ. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter 3 because he, he reveals what he's dealing with. Look at what he says. He says in verse number 1, For this calls I Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given, to, given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the, the mystery. As I wrote afore in, uh, afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in, an, uh, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Here it is, watch this, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. Well, you're just a Gentile tonight. Don't get too excited about it. But that's what he's dealing with. And so therefore, what Paul is saying in our text is that whether it be a Jew or whether it be a Gentile, there should be unity one towards another in the church. That's what he's saying. Well, why? Well, because we're all one in Christ. And we're, listen, I, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you can go back and read chapter 1 again, but I believe this is what it's saying. It's saying this, we're going to be in heaven for all eternity as one. We might as well learn to get along on this earth now. I just celebrated 25 years of marriage yesterday, and I was thanking the Lord for a godly wife this morning. I said, Lord... I know we can't be in heaven, you know, we're not going to be married in heaven, but could I have a room next, you know, mansion next to hers? I mean, we might as well get along on this earth now. We're going to spend all eternity together. That'd be good preaching right there for marital counseling, amen. So, but here's the thing. Now, now stay with me because I'm going somewhere with all this. We're going to really, we're just going to spend a lot of time making application. Then we're going to go back down and see some things, and hopefully by 9 o'clock we'll get out of here tonight because I'm already hungry. 
But I want you to catch this, and it is long. It's long tonight. I'm not kidding. It may be a little long tonight, but I believe it's needed tonight. Because I'm, I'm just telling you, I believe this is a very timely message tonight. But see, now, now that you've seen this context, and I would venture to say you're probably already thinking, well, well preacher, we're not, we're not Jews and Gentiles. We're just all Gentiles, and so we're, we're good. Well, now, Jews and, yeah, I get that. that that's true. But that's not to say that there aren't still things that cause division among us. And so I do think that there is some application here for you and for me that we need to see tonight. I'm just going to give you some, some and I'm going to primarily try to stick with my notes so that I'm not, so that I'm very careful as to what I say, that I don't cause more division. So, here's the, let me give you the first one that I certainly thought of, was this, is that there might not be the division of Jews and Gentiles, but there is still the division of races. I'm talking about the color of skin, not NASCAR. One of the greatest blights upon our nation's past is the slavery of black men and women. And, when, and, and even when slavery ended, there was still the cruel treatment of people based upon the color of their skin. And, and this has led to a tremendous amount of tension and division that a hundred years later still very much exists. And be, be a fact, I would even say this to you tonight, that, that our media has seized upon this and fanned the flames of the fire, so to speak. The, the cry, and this is the thing that gripes me, the cry has become that everything, meaning any mistreatment of a black person or a person of a minority, it is the result of a deep-rooted racism in this country. When I want to say to you tonight, that's not always the case. In fact, I would say that's probably, that's probably, I'm just telling you, very rarely the case. Because here's the thing, the mistreatment that's going on in our country today and the things that are taking place, it's not always rooted in racism. In fact, it has more to do with individual character more than anything. This is, this is the results of an anti-God, anti-Christ society. And the danger today, listen to me, the danger today is that the black person constantly hears this message from the media and racism is all they can see. And so as a result, they make an idol out of their own skin color. And you know what happens? It results in more, race, more, uh, more division. The message, listen to this, the message of Black Lives Matter is a perfect example of that. Because that is not, listen to me, that is a wrong response to a wrong situation. Because what you're saying is only one race matters now. When really it's not. All lives matter. White lives matter. Blue lives matter. Red lives matter. Green lives matter. Yellow, I don't know, whatever color you want to throw in there. They all matter. You know why? Because Jesus died for all. They're, they're, I'm just letting them know because I'm telling you, there's probably a, there's probably people right now 
uh, maybe even in this room or listening online, and they're mad because I'm saying black people instead of African American. But I'm not saying African American. Because you're, I'm not, I'm just telling you, that, that, that's more terminology that brings division. You don't call me Scottish American or Native American. So you didn't know that I had Indian blood in me. That's why I get so tan when I go to Florida. It's all that Seminole coming out in me. I'm hoping it's Cherokee and not Seminole because I hate the Florida State Seminoles. I'm a Florida Gator, man. But I'm just telling you, Stuart is a Scottish name. But I don't, well, I'm a Scottish American. And then do the river dance. I don't, whatever. No, I'm white. And I'm an American. And you might be black, but if you are born in America, you'd be American. And, and, and no, 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 no. And America may have a difficult past, but it's still the greatest nation on planet Earth. And if you don't believe me, just ask Brittany Griner. Who's sitting in jail in Russia begging for America to help her. I bet she's thinking, shouldn't have protested that national anthem because it means a little bit more now. Several months ago on a Wednesday night, some of you remember this. Because I, I did, I said it, I said it from the pulpit after it took place. But we had a black man that came into church on a Wednesday night. He was traveling through. And he, he came into our services on Wednesday night. He came in about 20 to 30 minutes early. And he came in and he, I believe he met one of our deacons back there and said, I'd like to talk with the pastor. And so I came out and, and uh, started talking with him. I, I had a conversation right there in the back of the sanctuary uh, with him. And he began to tell me about it. You know, he, he said this. He said, I, I just wanted you to know that I looked on this website and it said that, that your church was a black church, but all I can see is white folk. But I just wanted to let you know that, that, that I came in anyways. I mean, he was almost, I mean, he was almost bragging about it. And I'm like, well, okay. I'm like, what do you want me to do? High five you, chest bump, pat you on the back. I don't, okay. But this is, what I, this is what I said to him. And I want you to listen to this. I said, sir, we are not a black church. And we're not a white church. We're the Lord's church. And I said, you put your leg, you put your pants on one leg at a time like I do, don't you? You're a man, aren't you? You got a soul, don't you? And I'm just, that was exactly what I said. But all he could see was the color of his skin. And then he began to accuse us of being racist and preaching racism from our pulpit in the past. And I'm sitting there, and then that's when I got mad. And that's when I got aggravated because here's the thing. You have no idea who we are. Obviously, you went to the wrong website. What were you doing looking for a black church or a white church or a whatever church? Why don't you find one that's biblically and doctrinally a biblical, sound, doctrinal church? But you understand, but here's the thing. That's when I confronted him on his own racism and boy, well, listen, he made, I'm just I just like, you're making an idol out of your own skin color. And needless to say, he got mad and stormed out. But the reason I'm telling you all of this is to show you where a person can go in their own thinking when they are filled up with the message of division that this world spews out in our day and time. 
And, and I, I, I know, I know, you know, preacher, listen. And I've heard that. I've had people tell me this. You, you're, you just don't understand because you're not black. Let, let me help you with this tonight. Please listen to this. That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out to justify your own bitterness and your own anger. Listen to me. And your own racism. Because if you've got a problem with a, su- a white man with a southern accent giving you biblical truth on this, maybe you're the one that's racist. I'm just telling you, you're offended by that. You got the one with the issue. Because I'm going to tell you this tonight. Listen to this. I know black Christians and black preachers, dear friends, faithful, godly preachers. I love, man, I tell you, I love Brent and Jenny Givens down in New Orleans, planted Crescent Baptist Church, and we'd go out to eat, and I'd say, man, Ebony and Ivory's together again. And we just, man, he's just a good, godly guy. Come out, he came out of the Navy. How about that? Got saved, God called his family. Love that family. I'm t- and here's the thing. Listen to this. They love God. They love people. And they're going and preaching the gospel to every creature. Doesn't matter what color of their skin. And here's why. Do you know, do you know why? It's because they stopped buying in to the propaganda of the devil and the world and they let the Bible correct them on the view of themselves and this world. And what's sad is other black people turned on them because of it. Isn't that crazy? Now, now let, listen. Now, come on. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another division. If you're not mad yet, here's another one. Politics. Oh, I told you we was either going to go to war or we're going to get right tonight. I'm not even done. I got one more. And it's religion. And this is what I wrote in my notes. The three subjects that nobody wants to talk about because they cause division, and I'm doing all three in the message tonight. One message. But I'm just telling you, Paul, listen, you need, and you need to understand something. Please catch this. There is a secular view of this world, but there is also a biblical view of this world. And as the people of God, we are commanded to have a biblical view. And so that means that when it comes to the moral issues and the hot button topics of the day, the Bible is to shape my perspective on those things. Not the world and the culture I live in. Uh, Listen, the world and the culture may embrace homosexuality, but you and I very well know, especially after Sunday morning's message this past Sunday morning, I'm just telling you, the Bible's very clear on those things. By the way, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Go ahead and read all of Romans chapter 1. He deals with it. And I'm just telling you, well, preacher, it's, it's, listen, it's just another form of love. No, it's lust. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with biblical love. It's lust. It is a perverted form of the way God intended the home and marriage to be. And this world may embrace this transgenderism stuff, but again, the Bible is very clear. God created male and female, created he them. And the world may embrace abortion as a choice or call it, it's my right. But the Bible makes it very clear that a child in the womb is just that, a child. A literal human being, not a glob or a mass of flesh or a choice or a right. And so therefore, to kill that child, regardless of it being in your body, that's called murder. Now again, I, 
And again, I, as I said Sunday morning, this does not in any way excuse us of being, uh, uh, to be uh, unkind or, or hateful to those that embrace those issues. But we also have no business changing our views of this world towards a secular mindset either. See, we're called to stick with the Bible. I said we're called to stick with the Bible. Regardless of the political pressure of the day, the economic environment, we're to vote with the Bible, not our wallet. Or what political party we follow. And I'll, and I'll even go as far as saying this, that when you are a Christian and claim to be a Democrat and you vote Democrat, but your party boos when the name of God is mentioned at the National Convention, you might want to rethink some things. And I'll tell you this right now, Republicans ain't far behind. So don't sit here and act like I'm being favorites. And here's another one I already mentioned, religion. And now when I say religious division, I'm, I'm not talking about us as a church coming together with other churches ecumenically. Let me say that again. I'm not talking about us as a church coming together with other churches ecumenically. I'm going to tell you something. Nowhere in the Bible are we as a church called to be in unity with other so-called churches that preach a false gospel or stand on false doctrine. In fact, we're called to warn others. I'll never forget, I remember pastoring in Cassville and being invited to the Ministerial Alliance. Whoo! Man! And I could get together and rub elbows with the local Catholic priest and the Methodist preacher and the Lutheran and the so-called charismatic woman preacher and the Southern Baptist. Well, you know, we just all get together and encourage one another. And I was like, I know. No. If I need encouragement, I'll go to God in prayer or get in His Word. I'm just telling you right now, we're not going to be having a woman preaching our pulpit or some heathen telling us we've got to get confirmed before we go to heaven. Folks, that's, that, that's wicked. That's, I say, that's wicked. Listen, when, I, when I'm talking about religious divisions, I'm talking about a con, the context of within the church, and I'm talking specifically about, about just two things that I'm going to mention tonight. One is this, when someone gets on the internet or into something else and gets involved in some false doctrine, and then starts running around and talking with other people, calling them up and going, you know, preacher said this, but this is what I believe, and I was reading this on the Y'all look this article up. And I've seen, I'm just telling you, I've seen it happen before. All of a sudden, some guy changes his doctrine and becomes a Calvinist. You know why? Because he read a book about the Bible written by a Calvinist. He didn't read the Bible. Or some guy goes the other direction and all of a sudden becomes this neo-evangelical. And, well, you know, I'm, I'm now a recovering fundamentalist. So that just basically means you're a crybaby because of how difficult your child was and you had a godly family that told you no. <laughs> we was at, I think, where was we at? We was at graduation week at Heartland Baptist Bible College back in May and Brother Gaddis brought it up on Wednesday night and said something about recovering fundamentalists. And I was sitting in the back behind Jeremiah Metzinger, their pastor's over in Topeka, 
and I and said he said something, and all I, I it just was a natural reaction. I just couldn't. I felt like it was of the Lord, but I hollered, "Bunch of crybabies!" And the back two sections all turned around and looked at me, and were like, "Amen." We walked out. Several guys were just like, "That was awesome." Jeremiah Metzinger said, "I should get a T-shirt, bunch of crybabies." Good idea. We. I told you I was going. I'm telling you. We we have no business letting some article on the internet, some book, some podcast determine our doctrine. This is our source of faith and practice and what we believe. And I'll even say this tonight, we should be in agreement as a church body on the doctrine in which we stand on. But I've seen another religious division. Do you know you have people with all types of different backgrounds within the church? You have people who were raised in a Christian home. And they were brought up with high standards and strict rules and got saved early in life. And by that time, by the time they became a teenager, a young adult, they've never smoked a cigarette or drank alcohol or done drugs or lost their purity, to which I would say praise God for that kind of testimony. But you also have those within the church who wasn't brought up that way and got saved later in life. Or you even have those that maybe they were brought up in church, but then they rebelled. And eventually, they, like the prodigal son, they came back home and praise God for that. But here's the point. Just because you have a godly home and background doesn't make you any more spiritually better than anybody else. Someone that doesn't. And I know this, listen to this, and I know we say amen to stuff like that, but let me ask you, how often do you fellowship with those kind of people? How often do you have them in your home? How often do you take them out to a meal together? How often do you see someone come in the church who obviously doesn't have a lifestyle like yours and you welcome them and shake their hand and glad they're here? How often do you go up to a bus kid and ask them their name and give them a hug and tell them glad you're here? I said hey to Vinny tonight going through and he just walked past me. So I called him over in the teen in the teen department. I said, "Hey, Vinny." He said, "Hey, hey, Vinny, hey, hey, Vinny." All right. Just giving him a hard time. I remember when that little booger went to junior camp with us, still in the teen department. I love that stuff. Andrika that sits over here comes in on Sundays. What a blessing! Some of these kids that come in and praying for them. Braden, it's good to see him at vacation, Bibles. Do you, do you know these kids? You talk to these kids? But, but let me also say this. See, it's, it's not always the self-righteous Pharisee crowd causing division. Sometimes it can be the carnal Sadducee crowd. And they get offended because somebody tells them to go get a haircut. Or to cover up their tattoos. Or to start dressing right and, and honor God and have a godly test. Well, don't judge me. <laughs> Slap you in Jesus' name. Let me, let me help you with something. No, no, no. Listen to this. Here's the thing. Neither are right. 
I said, neither are right. See, you don't have the right to look down your nose at someone because your upbringing was better than theirs. But at the same time, there is also an expectation that if you claim to be saved, your life needs to change and you need to follow the Lord. And you need to learn those things. And Pharisees need to show compassion like Christ. But the Sadducees need to have consecration like Christ. Folks, the bottom line is this. There shouldn't be divisions among us regardless of the color of our skin, the political issues of the day, or what kind of background we came out of. We are to be one in Christ. One. And as Paul helps the church at Ephesus, I I believe this, we could get some help from this. And, And I just want to show you a couple of things tonight that would help us to overcome any division that we might have. Just two things tonight, but it'll take a minute. All right, just stay with me. Number one is this. You need to realize that Jesus Christ and His Word should break down any partitions or walls that are between us. Look at what He said. This goes all the way from verse 11 through 17. But look at verse number 14 specifically. He says, For He, Jesus, is our peace, who hath made both one, talking about Jew and Gentile, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The middle wall of partition right here is a reference to the wall at the temple that partitioned off an area where only the Gentiles were allowed. This was a barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles that kept them divided. But the point is this, is that just as Jesus tore the veil away, Jesus broke down that wall of partition, and now the Jews and the Gentiles, spiritually speaking in this church, ought to be one. And you know why? Here's why. Well, one of them is this, we're all saved the same way. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, as already mentioned in verse number 11, he brings up that they were the uncircumcision, the Gentiles, and that they were called called that by the Jews, the circumcised. Notice in verse number 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So they were lost. They were aliens from Israel, strangers. They didn't know God. They didn't have His Word. They didn't have any covenants or promises like those given to Abraham and Moses and David. They were without hope because they were without God. But... Oh, come on, look at verse number four. But God. Look at verse number, verse number uh, 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off, were made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. You understand? He's talking to the Gentiles and saying this, that you got saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But by the way, so too did the Jews in this church. Because where verses 11 all the way down to 13 deal with the, gen, or with the Gentiles, and then he concludes saying that he, he broke down that middle partition. Look at verse number 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, watch this, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. 
So not just, not just this enmity that existed between God and the Gentiles, but, but he abolished, well, watch this, the law of the commandments of the ordinances that belong to the Jew. No, 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 no. Well, watch this. Paul isn't saying that the law as a whole is being done away with because remember, Christ came to fulfill the law. Not do away with the law. The sac- what he's talking about here is the ceremonial portions of the law. The sacrifices and the burnt offerings, they are all done away with in Jesus Christ. The moral part of the law is still good because it shows man his sin and the standard of holiness before God. But we no longer need the sacrifices and burnt offerings because Jesus Christ was offered once and for all. In fact, look at verse number 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. Those that had the law, those that had the oracles of God, as Paul would say in Romans. He's talking about the Jews. What Paul is saying here is this, is that there should be no divisions within this church. You should be one. There should be peace between you. Why? Because whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, you were saved the same way. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's no different with us. Regardless of whether you are white or black or Latino or Oriental or whatever, if you are saved tonight, you got it through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Republicans and Democrats have to be saved the same way. If you watch Fox News or CNN, you got to be saved the same way. Or if you were raised in a Christian home, or you are a wicked sinner from whatever background, you have to be saved the same way. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mercy. I would even go on to say this. Mm. If you're saved, then you're called to follow Him according to His Word, and this too brings unity towards one another. No, no, no. And I, I realize He's not dealing with this right here just yet, but He's going to. Look at what He says. Look at what He says in chapter 4. You okay tonight? You all right? Look at what he says in chapter number 4. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That's unity. Unity. And in verses 1 through 3, what he's saying is this, is that the Word of God should determine how we live. That we would learn to follow Christ and His example. And so rather than criticizing one another or gossiping about one another or lying about one another, we would develop some pharisaical attitude or a Sadducee attitude. We would love one another and forgive one another and encourage one another because here's why. None of us are perfect and we all got to grow in our faith and learn to follow Him. And the fact, the Word of God should determine what we believe. It should determine what we believe about the races of men. That we all came from Adam and Eve. We all have a soul. And we're all sinners. 
And regardless of the past in a nation like ours, no one is better than any other because of a certain skin color. We should all fall under the banner of Jesus Christ. The Bible should also determine our worldviews and our political stances. It should determine our doctrine and what we believe as a church. And notice there is no divisions. There is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one. Not two or three or four or five. One. Oh, but it gets gooder. Because this is what I like. Because I think this is the second thing that Paul does. Paul points out, and we'll finish tonight. Here's, what he, here's the other thing that you need to grab a hold of. And you need to realize this. There are no second class citizenships with Jesus Christ. And notice specifically verse number 19 of our text. He says, now therefore... Ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And I believe Paul here has again turned his attention to the Gentile believers in this church. And what he's saying is that they're not second class citizens in the kingdom of God. The saints of God mentioned here have to do with the Old Testament saints. And what Paul is saying is that the Gentiles through Christ are on the same ground as Abraham and Moses and David. They are part of the family of God. And it's no different with us. Doesn't matter who you are tonight, what color your skin is, what side of the railroad tracks you were born on, if you're saved tonight, you're not a second class citizen in God's kingdom. Look, look at this. Look at verse number 18. For through Him we both have, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Listen to this. We got the same Holy Spirit tonight if you're saved. I didn't get anything special because of white privilege and you didn't get anything special because black lives matter more. We, got, we, we all got the same access to the Heavenly Father. Everybody here tonight. Look, 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 listen. We all have the same foundation and chief cornerstone. Look at what he says. Look at, look at verse number 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth, unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also ye also are building together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, we could just sit there and just. Mm. We all have Jesus Christ. We all have the Word of God. We have the law and the prophets of the Old Testament, the writings of the apostles in the New Testament, and we as a church are to become a unified building being established upon this foundation. Listen to me tonight. Listen to me. This is not a black church. And this is not a white church. This is not a Republican church. This is definitely not a Democrat church. It's not just for families that have kids that grew up in a Christian home either. It's for any family that needs a church home and needs to know the Lord and grow in their faith. The the bottom line is this. We got to drop the messages from out there. Because we are supposed to be
the Lord's church. One. Now let me ask you something tonight. Are you helping with the unity of this church? Or are you hindering it? Because you've made an issue out of the color of your skin. Or because you started listening to this message out here and you changed your political views instead of keeping the biblical one that you used to have. Or because you've developed some pharisaical attitude and think you're better than everybody else when you're not. Because I'm telling you tonight, if that's where you're at, you might want to grab a hold of this. Because last time I checked, we're all saved the same way. And nobody in here is second class to Him. That's how we become one. Let's all stand tonight.